0: Hello, and welcome to our continuing series of Green Elephant B Corp Interviews. B Corporations, or B Corps for short, are businesses that meet the highest standards of verified social and environmental performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to balance profit and purpose. Throughout this series, we are chatting with key people in companies which have chosen to certify as B Corps and become a force for good.
1: Today, I've been joined by Ed Bird from Bird Eyewear. Bird Eyewear make beautiful design led eyewear using high quality and sustainable materials, including FSC certified wood, bio based acetate, and repurposed aerospace aluminium. Ed Bird is the eldest of three brothers, and we'll talk about that in a minute, from Devon in the UK, who founded the company in 2018. And has had a vision, oh, had to get a pun in to drive <laughs> drive change in the eyewear industry and help families in Africa in the process. Welcome to the show, Ed.
2: Hi, Russell. Thanks. Great, great intro. Nice to be
1: here. Thank you very much. So uh, I'd like to ask an elephant in the room question, and this one is very important to us all, I'm sure. Um, jam or cream on your scone first.
2: Oh, cool. um, well, I think for me, um, with I think for me, it comes down to um, how viscose it is. You know, <laughs> I mean, if the if the if the cream is is runnier than the jam, then put that on. You know.
1: Oh right, so you're you're interchangeable. You're not you're <laughs> not true Devonshire.
2: Uh, no, it's um it's all about. What works best?
1: That's a great, that's a great political answer. I like that, and nobody can disagree with you. For those that don't understand, Devon and Cornwall have been seem to be permanently locked in a. Does the jam or cream gum first? Um, De, Devon tends to go cream first, jam second, and and Cornwall jam first, cream second. And and many lives have been lost on the internet over this. So, um, so yeah, you, you've managed to avoid that particular pit. I have, thankfully. Oh, yeah. Yeah. so you formed a business with your brothers you must get on pretty well
2: yes we do yeah so i am um, uh, i'm actually the middle child because we have uh, we? we have an older sister and an older brother as well so there's there's five of us siblings ah. and um we're all very close as, as a family um you know grown up um you know playing and Uh, working on things together but um myself and my three and my two younger brothers Lawrence and Paul um we've 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 always been interested in in similar things you're all kind of skateboarders and surfers and and so on and we've grown up working together problem solving um and um so yeah and I think even you know once we got into our teens and then into our 20s and we you know we all started um Working full time, um, we've always got on really well, and we've always been discussing, you know, ideas that we wanted to start together. And I think that that stems from right back when we were very young. You know, we were building dens together or, yeah. or playing games together. And now, when you know, in our twenties and now in our thirties, um, we're still kind of approaching life in 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 much the same way. You know, just seeing um, how we can work together and how we can have how we can have fun doing it.
1: And and presumably a set of complementary skills to boot.
2: Absolutely, yeah. I mean, my um, um all of my brothers—they're all graphic designers in one form or another, which is a really useful skill. <laughs> yeah. I, t- I took a slightly different um, route, and um, yeah, first um, uh, ended up becoming a chef, and then made a U-turn into um, into education. So. Uh, yeah.
1: And, and that education, was that with the education charity Extra Ice, was that?
2: Yes, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I was the uh, director of an education charity for, uh, well, yeah, getting on a decade. Yeah. And, um, that was running various projects in um, primary and secondary schools across the southwest UK.
1: So quite, quite, a, quite a leap to move from charity director to innovator, and and creator of eyewear absolutely what, what, what inspired that
2: so i mean just to cut a long story short so um for a long time um i've been involved in something called tedx exeter yes and um for those of you that are familiar with ted talks it, it's kind of a, a branch off of that right and, um i've been involved as part of the core team running events in exeter for many years, and as part of that, you know, I've had the opportunity to to meet with and work with and watch, you know, so many kind of inspirational um, people developing ideas and trying to change the world. And um, alongside that, since I was um, since I was very small, I've always been a drummer, and um, always, always To your been...
1: mother's delight. I'm sure.
2: Oh, absolutely, yes, um, yeah. So I've I've always been a drummer, and. Um, so I've always been interested in kind of how things work, I've got a fascination with classic cars and you know just like you know how things work, how things are put together, how can you you know make them better and improve them and so that kind of love and desire twinned with you know getting to work with all these inspirational people that are changing the world in different ways, I just began to look for new opportunities to learn new skills or to you know, create something new. And so I, I was originally working on an idea, um, a product idea for drummers, and I was learning how to CAD design and um, working with wood and sustainable materials and um, working with my brothers on that idea as well. Uh-huh. And um, that project reached a fairly natural conclusion and we, we decided not to go any further, but we carried all the learnings from that and um, spotted an opportunity in the eyewear industry and so we just thought you know there's a big opportunity here to create some really great eyewear products that look good that do good that are made well that make a difference Um, and um, yeah the rest of the rest is history I guess.
1: very recent history admittedly uh, because you've been been quite successful journey but we'll get on to that in a bit so I'm, I'm kind of interested is you know many people i know many people who study stuff in university don't end up doing doing what they do in, in real life uh is what they learned but to go you know eyewear seems to to be a specialism is it you, you obviously got the opt- optometry or the optic Um, mechanics which presumably is that that's somebody else you've you've passed that off to yes so yours was yours was purely how can you get design a better design a better material design and a better perhaps circularity into the eye eyewear is that it
2: absolutely yeah so it was first and foremost about the design of the frames the material used to make them Um, the the kind of the longevity or the end of life or the circularity of that and how we could make that better and um, and yeah and I guess from there it was fairly easy to and to put sun lenses in and we started off as predominantly a sunglasses brand got you Um, but then very quickly we were inundated with people asking you know can we put prescription lenses in this so we then kind of opened up that side of the business we connected with a, a glazing house in cardiff and so we now kind of run two sides of the business alongside each other
1: okay and is the uh, kind of i wondered this is 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 the making of a sunglasses frame different from the making of a prescription uh, eyewear frame is is it is it different is there some other mechanics required to to do the to change the frame styles. well for use sorry
2: yeah so that's an, it's an interesting question because um traditionally yes there has been a difference where you would tend to find that um sunglass frames would be off the shelf they'd be um ready-made they'd be a completely solid um solid frame whereas for prescription eyewear you would quite often get um, opening, so you'd be able to open the frame or loosen it a bit to be able to get the lens, lens inside. But um, but because of the glazing technology has come on um, so so well, our frames are exactly the same for both. And even when we're using uh, wooden frames, for example, that can't be you know heat treated and expanded you know to to pop a lens in. Um, so the lenses have to be you know very finely kind of tuned. To be able okay. to, you know, get them in just with a with a cold kind of push fit, um, yeah, yeah that, that clicks them in,
1: um, yeah. Oh right, okay, and i uh, kind of also whilst we we're there, because uh, I noticed on your site there were kind of three headings. One was the the sunglasses, one was the the prescription, and then it was blue light lenses, blue uh, blue light blocking lenses. <laughs> yeah, you do want blue light lenses. Yes. What what's what's that all about?
2: Yes, that's something that's, um, it's kind of been emerging over the last, let's say, let's say 10 years when they were first kind of starting to emerge, but really in the last five years, it's it's grown much bigger, and it's really as, as the result of people using their screens a lot more, and, um, you know, we're using smartphones, and we tend to be using them as soon as we get up to as soon as we go to bed, you know, yeah. we, um, people will... It's often the first thing they do. They wake up in the morning. They're looking at their phone. Then they're on the computer all day. Then they're on their phone in the evening, right up till it's it's very dark. And you know that was causing quite a lot of eye eye fatigue um, in that from from the screens. And um, so it's um the, the the basic idea behind the blue light blocking thing it basically filters out the the very kind of high energy blue and blue violet. Uh, light waves which tend, yeah. to, tend to be the, the more higher energy light waves compared to uh, you know compared to the red, reds and greens for example um, and so it's, it, it's essentially just something that people can wear it just kind of puts a dampener on that so that if you're looking at a bright screen all day mm. it's just kind of stopping that and very much in the same way because I mean blue light is found just in, in natural light as well and yes. um, You get a lot more blue light from the sun than you do from your screen, for example. But it's for that reason that when you're outside and it's a sunny day, people will wear sunglasses, and that has has a similar kind of effect, stopping those um, stopping those um, that that hot, those high energy waves. So um, yeah, and um, I mean we 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 know that um, you know people have um, different opinions on them, but um, some people swear by them and love them and wear them all the time other people you know think that it's maybe a bit faddy and and so on and you know certainly screen technology has been developing so the energy is slightly less intense than it was 10 years ago um yes. but um, but, um, but yeah so we, we we have it as an option for the people that that want to want to take it up and if it helps them then that's that's fantastic for us
1: yeah yeah one of it. it- I suppose the the situation has become worse, especially as people tend to look at their iPads or their or their uh, Samsung tablets or their whatever it is. I shouldn't brand myself to death there, um, but it, the at late at night, last thing before they close their eyes and try to go to sleep. So um, yeah, the, the, this it's probably been raised its ugly head a, a little bit more visibly, hasn't it? I suppose with. Mm-hmm. prevalence of so much technology dotted around yeah going back to your your frames now you were you mentioned we mentioned in your intro that you you formed in 2018 2019 you started trading trading um by 2019 (laughs) you'd got one frame of the year (laughs) that must have been an amazing achievement for a brand spanking new frames developer how did how, how did that feel how did that go down
2: yes yes there's um there's something called the optician awards yeah and um they've been been running running a long time and you know it's a chance to you know very much like you know fashion awards it's a chance to kind of celebrate great brands great designs yeah Um, and usually all of the big all of the big players that um that you see on the high street they're always there and um so as as designers and as a brand, um, the Frame of the Year award was really like the—it's the, the, the kind of the, the ultimate that you could achieve. And so, um, yeah, we we submitted our our kind of application to enter, and um, we were shortlisted. And that in itself was was mind blowing because you know they got they had a lot of entrants, and they're judged by. Um, you know, by four judges and they've got all these frames and so they all have to agree and they score the frames and then they choose, I think, seven to be shortlisted.
1: Okay. So
2: and um you know we were up against a frame from Spec Savers and Cutler and Gross and um uh LA iWorks, you know, really huge, well established brands. Yeah. So um yeah it was a frame it was called our black cap frame, which is one of our wooden and aluminium frames and it's got the same, it's got a two-tone uh, color combo much like a black cat bird in the wild okay um similar kind of shape as as well and uh, yeah so it, it, it was quite an experience for us so um the um the awards were in in the hilton hotel and we kind of we rock up to the hilton and you know we felt very out of place you know as a, as as a couple of you know devon devon boys we, we you know we we drive up in our van we were late had to get changed in the van you know into our tuxedos you know walk into this you know, big award ceremony and of course you know we, we just feel like we're really out of place we're, we're the new kids on the block and um but yeah we 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 won the won the award which was just an absolutely huge um absolutely you know, brilliant yeah we we were hugely proud of that
1: yeah and quite rightly so and yeah i'll be shortlisted again in 2020 um, and of course, i you have got fairly high hopes this year. It's at the end of the year, isn't it?
2: I think so. Yes.
1: Yeah. yeah I think they put they pushed off to December. So, here's. Are you going to go for it again?
2: I think we might. Or shouldn't I yeah. ask? <laughs> I I think we might. Yeah. Why not? Why not? What
1: What makes your frame so special? And what makes them? Sus- why would you call them a sustainable sustainable frame? That's probably the better question.
2: Yeah sure so I mean the sustainability comes from just um, trying to work with better more sustainable materials we put a lot of thought into the materials and where they're sourced from the kind of materials that we're using so you know instead of using um, you know injection molded plastic for example which is you know ubiquitous across across the across the eyewear industry obviously very cheap very easy to use yeah um, but you know comes at um, comes at a cost to the environment so um, we use like a it's a bio acetate uh, which is like a cellulose um, based material
1: so well plant-based or uh,
2: yes yeah yeah so oh, so I, I, I... and either from wood or from cotton right um, but the, but the difference I mean c- uh, cellulose materials kind of go back years and years but the difference now is that they can make it without using um any oil-based plasticizers, so that okay. so it effectively makes the frame um, almost entirely made of organic material, and so it can biodegrade, which is um, we, we, which is really good. And then um, we use um, uh, so aluminium as well, which can be recycled, and then woods, which are you know FSC certified. And yeah. um, so, for example, our our bamboo or beechwood frames. Um, they can be shredded chopped up and just thrown in thrown in the compost um, which, which is which is a lovely way to kind of dispose of of a frame you know rather than um, having something that, that that can't be recycled
1: and and off it goes to landfill or an incinerator mm. yeah absolutely so I mean you also got the frames you've thought about that um I've seen some Brilliant stuff about packaging. How, what's your approach to packaging as well? Because that's how you get it to somebody unbroken is is a big thing.
2: Absolutely, yeah. Which is which is always always challenging. So we use recycled card for our boxes. Uh, we call them our nest nest boxes because the cases are kind of nicely tucked in there, like a um, like a little egg in a nest. <laughs> um, but um, but then obviously there's there's that thing about you know. Um, once they're in the box, you know, what do you kind of put them in? Um, So if if it's raining and they get left outside by the delivery driver, you know, that it can protect them, or if they're going uh, further afield, perhaps into Europe, or, you know, um, what's going to keep them safe? So we've been working with a company in the UK to develop a a new type of mailer bag that um, it dissolves very quickly in hot water. And, um, and then in any kind of, Water-based environment, it will it will essentially dissolve into um, into carbon and, and carbon dioxide. So it's um, it's um, it's a very kind of green material. Um, I couldn't tell you. I can't quite remember now um, all the kind of sciency like names for the for, for the molecules. But it's it's essentially um, a step on from if you've seen the uh, the tablets that, that you put inside a dishwasher. And yep. the tablets that you sometimes get, they're sometimes in like a plastic film. Okay.
1: Yeah, yeah, individually wrapped. They appear. Yeah,
2: yeah, it, it will seem like a plastic film, though. There is, it's not plastic, and that just dissolves into into generally like you know, water and, and carbon dioxide. And um, so it's basically the next step on from that, making it so it's a bit more robust. Um, you know, we put a little sealing strip on there. So, um, um, yeah, so that's our new mailer bags, and we have um, we have tried using. Paper-based mailer bags as well, which which are great in in some instances, but yep. you know, potentially if they're going longer haul, they often get ripped or damaged and yes. suffer you know water damage in short term. Which in the UK, where it's uh, raining
1: quite regularly, can can be an issue. No, no, we live in a tourism era. Remember, <laughs> remember, it's always sunny down in Devon and Cornwall. Absolutely, <laughs> um, it's when you have to send it up to cities so that's probably where it's the big problem yeah definitely <laughs> um yeah i mean it's fascinating i i, I love the video which is lovely little shot of a, a bag going into a um a, <laughs> a, a jug of hot water presumably and then yes. you know, turning into nothing and presumably no toxins in there whatsoever which is yeah. partially the problem is these plastics tend to carry so much with them even the biodegradable ones so that's, that's that's great and i saw even some attention to your cleaning cloths
2: yes our, our cleaning cloths are made of recycled bottles so oh, okay Yes, yeah, so a, a recycled um, pet material um, which yeah again is great it's just um it's just you know for us we we really think about every aspect of our of our product and its life and its kind of circularity And how can we make it better? So you know, rather than making the traditional nylon cleaning cloth, um, can we make them out of something more innovative, something more interesting? And it it makes for a great story as well. You know, people people love to love to talk about the product because it's got so many interesting features.
1: Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, it does appeal And, and you know in my mind I didn't see the bird range as a premium cost so people aren't paying a hefty premium for the sustainability they're paying good fair price glasses, as they probably would anywhere else um so you're obviously uh, certified of being a, a b corp and you did that just as the, <laughs> just as the pandemic hit so um perhaps uh, what, why did you go to become a, why did you look to become a B Corp?
2: For us, it was always something that we wanted to achieve right back to, you know, when we very first had the initial idea. And that's really because of the, the kind of brands that, that we follow and that we're interested in. Brands like Patagonia yeah. uh, or in the UK, brands like Finisterre, for example. Um, so th- these are the kind of brands that are that actively trying to make a difference and try to innovate and use more sustainable materials. So for us, we knew that that was kind of a benchmark that we wanted to hit. Um, I mean, more than anything to prove to ourselves that we could do it, Um, but it's a really good way for us to show to other people that as a business, we are a force for good in kind of in more ways than one.
1: Yeah, brilliant, Uh, and that that kind of brings me on to, as many B Corps have is is realizing that they could use their profits for for other things as well. Now you've got a, a campaign called Share the Share Your Sun partnership with Solaraid. What, what's that all about?
2: So this was something that again, right back when we started as a sunglasses brand, we knew that we wanted to develop a brand and a business that didn't just create great products but that also made a difference in in some way yeah and um i'd known about Solaraid and the work that they did and so for me that connection of you know sunshine sunglasses and solar um it, it was a really good fit so <laughs> yeah, I, I i pitched uh, pitched the idea to Solaraid. they they loved the idea and we kind of very quickly um built a partnership and that just means that, that for every pair of uh, frames that we sell it's helping to distribute solar light into their projects across Africa um where it's you know where it's needed you know so that in um across kind of sub-saharan Africa there's you know something like nearly 600 million people that don't have electricity no. so um and when the sun goes down in you know central Africa it's really black it's just you know it's, it's just pitch black and um people are burning things to create light in their homes you know so whether that's petrol or paraffin or wax or you know whatever they can get their yeah. hands on this stuff it's dirty it's dangerous causes fires and um, and they have to pay for it as well so yeah. what solar aid do is they work with communities and they kind of educate them on the benefits of solar and renewable energies and how they can use it and um they kind of um Uh, The the local people then invest in some of this kind of solar technology and fit it in their houses. And then, of course, they're saving money because they no longer have to buy petrol or paraffin. They get the health benefits. You know, it's just it's free energy. They run really good repair um, services as well, like for when, you know, for when any of these um, solar lights break. And it's just a really good way for us to make a difference. Um, Our... Our mother was uh, was born in in Uganda and 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 spent um, much of her life there and um, yeah we've, we we've all got kind of various connections in in Africa so again it's just a way for us to um, yeah to create something that makes a difference
1: yeah and of course Sub-Saharan um, Africa also has one of the biggest problems with fires so the last thing you want is them having to burn. Stuff which could potentially make that situation even worse. I think some of the worst fires in twenty twenty were sub-Saharan. They mm-hmm. weren't. They weren't around Sydney and they weren't around La- Los Angeles. They were just the reported ones. Massive yes. fires running across Central Africa it was horrendous.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So I mean, that's that's a brilliant move, and I think you know. It, like you like many other b corps are seeing seeing a need filling a need sort of thing um uh, but i I love the time with the (laughs) solar the 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 solar aspect to it so that's that's great so i I think you've mentioned this you you mentioned to me a tip that you if there's one thing that somebody could do what would you say they they should do do you think
2: my my kind of go-to tip is always um the next thing that breaks on you, see if you can fix it. Mm-hmm. So whether that's, you know, whether that's your toaster that breaks or whether that's, um, you know, the zip on your jacket or, you know, perhaps uh, perhaps something else, you know, perhaps you've got a pair of welly boots that, that have split or, you know, something like that, like whatever it is, big or small, or, um, you know, no matter that whether it's tech or no tech, you know, see if you can repair it. And I've always found that that in itself becomes a really interesting journey because it makes you think about firstly how it's made and mm. um, where it's made where the components come from how easy is it to fix you know what's its um, circularity and kind of end of life meant to be and um, does it have planned obsolescence you know which which uh, many yeah. people have, have heard about um, and then you know usually you can fix something so usually you'll be able to find you know an, an electrician shop in your town or city who can fix your toaster and so you're supporting a local business you're you know you're giving um second life to your toaster where otherwise would have gone you know into the um down to the um down to the tip or something like that and so you know just all of those elements are just really really good and even if you even if you discover that in actual fact you can't recycle it or you can't fix it or you can't mend it um, that in itself is a really good learning experience and you know will hopefully just you know have some kind of impact on you.
1: Yeah, as I think if if you were changed your buying decisions, you had to look harder at whether the next product is self-repairable, whether it is a manual enough for you to be able to crack it open, you know, accepting warranties, but the warranties usually would have them fixed for free, you know. So that's still still good. Uh, I suppose the other thing that's uh, come across and is becoming more prevalent nowadays is because companies have realized that it's cheaper for them to just send out a new product to somebody that's got a warranty issue than actually recover it, fault find it, fix it, and send it back. Mm-hmm. And so you end up with a warranty environment that could end up being more wasteful as well. And that, that's that, that's a bit of a worrying development, really. Oh, well, I got this this widget it's broken you keep that one as a gift i think (laughs) and we'll send you another one through the post and okay thanks very much that's great the resolve is done you might rave about the company but you now have one broken piece of kit you got (laughs) you got nothing to do you can do with so yeah i think that's a, a a great thought is and i think people shy away from repairing things because sometimes repairs can be a little bit expensive you think well i might as well buy a new one
2: yeah that's that, that's true yeah. yeah but then the but then the the learning experience and the learning opportunity you know that that's often worth it and you know yeah you can you can you can make it a fun experience you know you can document it on your instagram stories or, or something like that um yeah, make it, nice. you know, I
1: mean, yeah there's a, a plethora of repair videos aren't there on youtube and, and other places yeah. um Uh, on different things so you can learn stuff yeah so that's great i like that that's brilliant um if if we were going to encourage our listeners to um uh, look at something you enjoy doing reading or watching a tv program or what would you recommend they go do
2: um yeah i'm not i'm not i'm not much of a reader i do like reading but i i always find that um i'm lacking lacking in time but um i do love listening to podcasts because that's something that I can I can do while I'm at work or you know while I'm driving or while I'm you know trying to trying to fix something Um, and uh, yeah so I I have a couple of a couple of podcasts that I listen to um, a couple of kind of go-to ones Um, so the first is uh, the Tim Ferriss show he interviews just a plethora of Um, incredible people from Hollywood actors to politicians to athletes. Um, And it's all about kind of picking apart their habits and routines and discovering kind of you know what has driven them and what has made them who they are. Um, So that's one I've learned so much from that. Yeah. Uh, Another would be um oh there's one called Think Like a CEO, um a a guy called Gary Keller, who's based in the States and he's actually um he's a real estate, um, guy, but again, just, um, you know, great solid advice about running a company about how to think about, um, you know, how, how to kind of, um, you know, think about business and how to think about finance. I mean, so, so even if you're not a company CEO, or even if you don't work in a company, it's still a great podcast, just, you know, to develop, leadership skills and, and things like that and um, so yeah definitely a couple of couple of good ones there
1: yeah and of course there's always the opportunity for you if you, if you are working in a business you might want to start your own at some point um it, it is an exciting journey as i'm sure you would contest to
2: yes it <laughs> definitely is
1: okay well thank you for that and um I, i'll be listening to i'm going to go at tim ferris myself and seeing what, uh, what he's got to to offer us he's done quite a few he's going five <laughs> in the 500 episodes so there's plenty to pick from there <laughs> so uh, just to close our show off then i have a few statements which could be a fact or a fake are you up for this
2: yes yes sounds interesting
1: okay so i'll give you a statement it might be a fact it might be a fake um so uh, and you have to pick so the first one, nice and short, the first vision aid was invented around 1000 AD. Is that a fact or a fake?
2: I think that might be a fact. I know that, um, I mean, I'm not sure on, on the dates, but um, I know that, you know, going back a long time, um, people, particularly, um, you know, Inuits in, Inuit in, in cold countries, they used to, use bone and carved very thin bits in the bone yeah to, to stop the glare of the sun
1: i funny enough i saw that i almost did a fact or fake on it and i thought no he's probably seen that <laughs> <laughs> well you are right it is a fact uh, it was called a reading stone it was a small glass sphere that was placed on top of small letters to so they could be seen so yeah. 1000 ad quite quite impressive dark ages absolutely so um Number two, then the world record for the most expensive pair of sunglasses ever sold is set at over one hundred and fifty thousand pounds. Is that a fact or a fake?
2: Wow. Well, I mean that's uh, that, that's well beyond our, our pricing structure. Um, but um, yeah, I, I think um, when I see what things like pieces of art are sold for these days, you know, in the in in the absolute millions. Um, I guess it, it wouldn't surprise me Yeah. if it's true.
1: Uh, so you think it's a fact?
2: I, th- I think it could be a fact, yeah.
1: Well, you'd be wrong. Um, yeah, but you'd be wrong for the wrong reason. Uh, it was £270,000, not £150,000. Wow. Uh, they were Chopin de Rigo uh, glasses made with 60 grams of 24 karat gold and fifty-one individual cut four-carat river diamonds. That's two hundred carats of diamonds. Um, anything similar in your range? Nothing quite <laughs> that
2: exquisite. Um, I'm afraid. No. Sounds. I,
1: I wouldn't. Uh, funnily enough, I, I wouldn't deem them particular. Oh, I suppose they're supremely recyclable. You can melt down the gold and um <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and reuse the diamonds in convenient jewellery. Uh, <laughs> I, d- I don't know if I could. Want to wear them on the face? Something. No,
2: no, it's a, a bit too bling for me. But I'm definitely going to look them up.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's one each. So this is the decider, and it is almost two million pairs of sunglasses are dumped in landfill each year in the U.S. alone.
2: I would think that's probably true. I think yeah, um, or at least you know some some huge figure
1: like that hey that's a bit vague fact
2: or fake no yeah i I will say yeah fact or or maybe even more
1: oh so i oh okay it's not easy a fake but the fake is it's four million sunglasses are dumped each year in us alone
2: yeah crazy
1: unbelievable i mean i to be honest i think that's a very rough estimate at four million it's uh, I wouldn't be surprised if it's a lot more because yeah. it they're a fairly commodity item, aren't they? or many some people you can go into the shops and buy yourself a set of sunglasses for a tenner in a chemist or and wear them for a holiday and then sit on them and break them mm. and then they're just in the bin. I mean, I, I don't know how they guess four million. It's presumably on the new sales.
2: Could be, yes. Yeah, but I mean that that is just staggering and that's that's something that that really needs really needs to change and that's kind of part of what inspires us to create the eyewear that we do and um and things like our our recycle program where people if they do break them or have any issues you know they can send them back for repair or they can send them back for recycling and we you know we give them a 50 percent off code for their for their new frame as well
1: okay so you you actually enable the recycling repair circular economy piece
2: yeah yeah so um frames that we can fix we fix and we work with a we work with a local um a local kind of fixing company Mm -hmm. those um what otherwise the rest can be kind of uh, recycled and and reused
1: well that's brilliant well thank you very much i I mean i'll I'll take that as a a rough draw but i'm going (laughs) to internally i'm going to consider that a win on my boat
2: that's fine (laughs) i'll let you have it
1: Um, only leaves me to thank you very much for joining us on the Green Elephant show Ed thank you
2: that's fine you're very welcome great to chat
0: we really hope that you found this insight into another B Corp both informative and entertaining so make sure you don't miss any of our chats with B Corporations by subscribing to either our podcast available all good providers or the Green Elephant YouTube channel and please don't forget to spread the word with others If you have any questions about being or becoming a B Corp or any comments and suggestions about the show, please do get in touch. You can email studio at greenelephant.show or visit our website, greenelephant.show or find us on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube or Twitter by searching for at Greenelepod or the Green Elephant Show. You can also review the show on Google and Apple Podcasts. Join us next time and we hope you have a sustainable and socially responsible week.